Luke's Gospel, Luke's Gospel, chapter 21. We're going to look at the first four verses of Luke 21 this morning. Lily Jenkins was my next door neighbor for a number of years uh, when I was growing up. Uh, Lily had lily white hair. Uh, she had been retired for a number of years. She and her husband owned a five and dime store in Appomattox. And in fact, her husband had died before I was born. I never knew Lily's husband. But I remember visiting Lily often growing up used to visit her uh, after school. And there were usually brief visits, uh, maybe about three or four times a week. But we did stay long enough to bring home a treat. And I remember every Saturday afternoon, and this was every year uh, that I was growing up, Lily would make a yellow cake with chocolate icing. We would go visit her, and we would bring it back home and eat it for dessert and lunch. We liked Lily a lot because we liked her food a lot. <laughs> but to be honest, uh, her yellow cake with chocolate icing paled in comparison to Lily Jenkins' potato salad. It's the best I've ever eaten. I was thinking this week, if I were stranded on a desert island with only one food to eat, it would have to be Lily Jenkins' potato salad. I'm glad my mom, before Lily passed, secured the recipe, it's a yellow mustard-based potato salad with mashed potatoes. And if you've ever had it, you would not go back to anything else. <laughs> but I thought about Lily. What a sweet lady she was. And I always appreciated her kindness. Um, but during those years growing up, I never thought about her being a widow as I've become a pastor I've begun to appreciate more uh, a lot of the difficulties that widows experience. As a child, I just knew Lily to be Lily. I didn't know all of her loss or her life experiences. I was reading some statistics this past week. 800,000 people are widowed each year. 700,000 of these are women. Think about that. Out of 800,000 that are widowed, 700,000 are women. And as I was reading online again, even in this age, most widows in the world live in poverty. A lot of times we don't think about it, but even in our own nation, most widows lose 75% of their financial base when their spouse dies. But I thought about widows, and the reason I'm bringing this up our text today is about a widow and a widow's gift. And I began to think about the ways that God used widows. I thought about the strife and the stress that Naomi and Ruth went through, both having lost spouses and how God rebuilt their lives and continued to use them. I thought about the widow of Zarephath. She wasn't mentioned by name, but in Hebrews 11, she is clearly mentioned as a great woman of faith. She was the one who, when she had very little, gave first to Elijah. Elijah was fed, and she and her son were continually fed in a miraculous way. In fact, even later, Elijah restored 
her son to life. Yet in the midst of all of these widows and their number in the scripture, we come to the one to whom we look today in Luke chapter 21, verses 1 through 4. And we see that this widow who had very little, nonetheless was very much approved by the Lord. Look with me at Luke chapter 21, verses 1 through 4. He, that is Jesus, looked up and saw the rich dropping their offerings into the temple treasury. He also saw a poor widow dropping in two tiny coins. Truly I tell you, he said, this poor widow has put in more than all of them. For all these people have put in gifts out of their surplus, but she out of her poverty has put in all she had to live on. Let's pray. Fathers, we look to your word today. We thank you for the teaching of it. We thank you for these narratives. We thank you, Lord, how Jesus did not miss the simple gifts that made a significant impact. And Lord, while we don't know how this gift from this woman was used, the scripture doesn't tell us, we know that her very act inspires us to give in a like manner. Father, open our eyes to the benefit of a simple gift. Lord, help us to understand that when it comes to our finances, our money, our possessions, our time, our talents, that, Lord, you can take what is offered and do great things. And, Father, we ask this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. If you've been with us, we've been on a journey these past uh, weeks uh, leading up to Resurrection Day Sunday. We're looking at the teachings of Jesus, the narratives that surround him this last week of his earthly life. And as we've looked the last few weeks, we've seen sort of this common theme. The religious leaders are trying to challenge Jesus. The ones who should be with him, who should be his greatest supporters, were actually working against him. And so the scribes, the Pharisees, the leaders of that day, Jesus made very clear they were not on track with him. Yet in the midst of this, we see this lady. And Jesus draws attention to a simple act from a simple widow to demonstrate what truly God commands. You know, I picture this widow as coming into an assembly much like this. I picture a lot of noise, a lot of uh, people moving in and about the temple area. And she's not really looking around. She just has her head straight forward in a humble way. She gently drops the two tiny coins uh, in the temple treasury there and prepares to leave. That's how I picture it. But it's interesting here that in this seemingly insignificant gift, Jesus makes note of it. That it, what might be considered in human beings' minds to be of little significance was very important to Jesus. This morning, I want to take some time to look at both the gift and the woman behind the gift. 
What was it in this event? What was it within this woman that impressed Jesus? Before looking at the answer to those questions, I want to really sort of set uh, contextually what happened. Historians have said that in that day, the temple treasury was located in the court of uh, women. And there were 13 in number. They were coffer coffers that were trumpet-shaped, and they opened upward like the upward part or the outer part of the trumpet. And numbers of people would come in, and they would place their offerings in. Because there were 13 in number, it allowed for many people simultaneously to give their gifts. And so here in, in verse 1 of chapter 21, it says that Jesus looked up. He was in the area. He noticed that part of the temple court, and he saw the rich dropping their offerings into the temple treasury. But it says he also saw a poor widow dropping in two small coins. He doesn't necessarily criticize the rich. He sort of contrasts her with the rich, but he does very much so commend this widow. And in doing so, I believe he teaches us some things about our attitude in giving. You know, many times we look at giving, we look at it just in the area of finances, and that's a part of it. But there are also things like giving of our time. There are also things like giving of our talents in the ministry of the local church. And I want to look at these things today. I want to look at the acts and the attitudes of giving that are commendable to God. And we're going to see it through this widow's giving this morning. First, I want you to note with me that she gave with a pure motive. It doesn't say, well, this woman gave with a pure motive, but I believe contextually we can understand because we can't separate the beginning verses of verse of chapter 21 from the closing verses of chapter 20. The chapter and verse divisions were given after the word of God was given, and so while we have them and they help us reference things, I believe it's very clear that what is described at the end of chapter 20 was happening very closely to what was happening in the beginning of verse 21. And so remember last week we looked at verse 20 and Jesus was critical of the scribes, the religious leaders of his day. He said they had long flowing robes. In other words, they were very ostentatious. They wanted everybody to be impressed by who they were. They desired to be uh, at the greetings in the marketplace to be acknowledged by people. They wanted the highest places at the banquets. In other words, they were people of distinction and they wanted to know people to know who they were. In contrast, we see that this widow's act at the beginning of chapter 21 was really not recognized by anyone. In fact, this probably happened many times. She didn't have a lot to place in, and we see that it, it was so inconspicuous or unrecognizable what she was doing that Jesus had to stop and draw attention to her. So it's important as we look at her compared to the religious leaders of the day that when we give to God, whether it be giving of our talents or giving of our money or giving of our time, that we do so with a pure motive. And we're not just talking again about not claiming money when we place it 
in the box. But we're talking about our attitude in serving in the local church, not expecting the praise of men, but doing so for the praise of God. Our talents, do we take our talents, whether it be in the area of music or administration or whatever, or whether it be in speaking or teaching, and it be to impress people, or do we do so in order to please God? It's very clear comparing this widow to those at the end of chapter 20 that her motive in giving was pure. Now, how is that? How do we know that? How do we ourselves have a pure motive? Well, basically the measure is this. When we give to God, we do to glorify God and to serve others. So if I'm serving, if I'm giving, whether it be of our time or whether it be of our finances or whatever it would be, the first thing I would say, why am I doing this? Am I doing it to glorify God? Am I doing it to serve others? The religious leaders of that day, all they were doing was trying to impress people. And so Jesus was against that. But this woman gave with a pure motive. But I want you to see, secondly, she gave satisfaction or uh, sacrificially, rather. Notice what, after he drew attention to the poor widow dropping in the two coins, he said in verse 3, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all of them. Now remember what was happening. The rich were dropping their money, and and they were dropping a lot of money, I'm sure. And Jesus, in his economy, was saying this widow that put in two small coins was giving in more than, than they did. Now, I'm not saying to you that God's telling you to drop two coins here because we're to give proportionally. And Jesus was drawing attention to the fact that this woman gave her all. It says she, out of her poverty, put in all she had to live on. She put in all she had to live on. She gave sacrificially. As I noted earlier, even today, Widows many times go through financial difficulty. There are adjustments. I learned that even within my own family, that when one spouse dies, often financially things are difficult. But we think back to the widows in that day. They did not have life insurance. They did not have 401Ks or even Social Security. In fact, widows in that day were among the most poor of people. In James 1.27, it says religion that... God our Father accepts as pure and undefiled is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being unseen from the world. The distress of what the widows uh, were experiencing there was in large part financial in nature. But it says here that this widow gave in spite of her distress, in spite of her poverty, she gave. You know, God can do a lot with a little. Now, I'm not telling you to give a little. You're to give everything you can. But many times we'll say, well, I don't have a million dollars I can give to this ministry, and we'll use that as an excuse not to give. One of the great excuses we'll make in the church is, well, I really don't, I'm not that good working with children or working with youth, or I really can't do that. And we begin to look at our gift as so insignificant but we do not factor in that God can take even the gift that we may consider to be small and use it in a great way. I draw to your attention the little lad. 
that came to Jesus with the five loaves and the five fishes. And what did the disciples say? How could you feed a multitude of this caliber, the Lord Jesus, with so few things? Well, what happened was Jesus multiplied that. And the small gift became a large gift. Now, we don't know the result of this woman's giving. Uh, we do, the scripture does not tell us. All we know is that what she gave was approved by Jesus. And Jesus looked at what she had, not what she didn't have in her giving. I like that car commercial in Richmond. I'm sure you've seen it. The guy says, don't tell me what you can't do. Tell me what you can do. I love that line. It's my favorite commercial locally. But some of these local commercials are just cheesy. You know, you look at them and you say, y'all can do a lot better than that. But that's one of the coolest. The guy standing in the dealership, don't tell me what you can't do, tell me what you can do. It sticks with me. What is he saying? Don't come into my place thinking you can't do anything. We're going to make it happen. And that's what Jesus says in the church. Don't tell me what you can't do. Tell me what you can do. I'll take what you can do and I will work with it. This woman gave her all. I'm a pastor of a church. I thought, well, what would I counsel her if as a widow she was in my church? And I'll confess, I probably would say, give half of it to the Lord. I say 50% is more than a tithe. You need some to live on. And, and you know what? I would be sinning and be wrong because I would be telling her to do what against what God was calling her to do, obviously, here. She gave her all to the best one. Sacrificial giving. Sacrificial giving. I want to speak from my burden. One of the greatest needs in this church right now is individuals who will give their time to our young people. We need it. I'm just going to be honest. I love so much of what God's doing, but the greatest burden as the pastor of this church I have right now, we do not have enough people working with our children and our youth. We don't. And, and why it's a burden to me is if you don't invest in the young people, within a generation, the church begins to decline. We had a young girl that visited us just last week, and she was here, and I began to talk to her, and she was saying, where are all the children and the youth? And I was thinking, if we build it, they'll come. But so many times where we're sat, they don't have time. They don't have time. I, I, I'm too busy. And, and we're placing our effort in the things that are going to pass. Listen, I'm going to die one day, and nobody's going to remember me. Tell me who pastored here five Christmas ago. You may know, a few of you may know, most of you may not know. It's only what we invest in now that gives and gives and gives in turn. And, and so what I'm saying there is that we need to invest our lives in fruitful ways. We've got kids, we've got youth that need to hear the gospel. I'm telling you, what they're getting ready to go through is... We can't begin to understand the challenges they're going to be going through. We need to pour ourselves in to the young people. We think about that as I employ in that. I want to rethink it. Is it really sacrifice if we spend that time? 
David Livingston, the great missionary to Africa as a result of the London Missionary Society, said it's not a sacrifice. In fact, he talks in this missionary, giving his life to God in Africa, he said, people talk about the sacrifice I've made in spending so much of my life in Africa. He said, can it be called a sacrifice which is simply paid back as a small part of a great debt owed to God which I can never repay? Is it a sacrifice which brings such wonderful reward in healthful activity and consciousness of doing good in the peace of mind and a bright hope of a glorious destiny hereafter? He said, away with the word sacrifice. This is not sacrifice to me, he said. It's a privilege. The point is this. It is a privilege. It is a blessing to give to the Lord. Not just a rightful thing, but a blessing in our finances, in our gifts, in our time, in our talents. This woman gave beyond what we would expect. But also, third, she gave in faith. The scripture doesn't say here, this widow gave in faith. We have to understand the narrative teaches that. I would say if she dropped all she had to live on in the temple treasury and walked away, she was a woman of faith. She believed God. She believed God would not just use her gift, but God would take care of her when she left that temple area. And she was not unlike the widow of Zarephath that Elijah visited that I mentioned earlier. Elijah visited that widow and she had a son and he said, I want you to give me a piece of bread, if you would, and some water. She says, I don't have any. All I have is enough for my son and for me to eat one more meal. We're going to eat that and we're going to die. But Elijah, God's messenger, said, give first to me and then you will eat. Notice what Elijah was saying. It's going to be doubled. You're going to be able to feed me, and then you will not die. You'll be able to feed you and your son. And the result of that was she did it, and the scripture says that the water nor the bread ran out. But Elijah said, first, give to me. This widow in our text did the very thing. She first gave to the Lord. We don't hear the rest of her story. But we know that Jesus was pleased with her gift. Hebrews 11 tells us, for without faith, it's impossible to please God. So how are we to give? We're to give with a pure motive for God and for others. We're to give sacrificially, not just in a token way, not just dropping in, not just dropping the money, but to give sacrificially of ourselves and we're to give in faith. I think about the power of a simple gift, just a simple gift. We're not talking about profound things. We're not talking about teaching with a theological education. We're not talking about giving because we have so much to give. We're not talking about having abilities that are beyond explanation. We're talking today about a simple gift. I think back to that little lad who had a few fishes and loaves that Andrew came to him and when he was brought to Jesus there was a time when he had to give the bread and the, the loaves and the fishes to Jesus 
he had empty hands but not for long. Not for long. I think about the gift and the gift of that widow in our text today. He had to give what she had, all that she had to Elijah. And so she went without, but not for long. But even more than that, not only were they able to be fed with what they gave, but man, they saw a powerful manifestation of the work of God. And I wonder how much are we not seeing because we're not willing to give the simple gift. The name Edward Kimball may mean little to you. I did not know. I, I think I knew his story, but I could not have called his name before I studied about him this week. So while we may not know him, God knew him. In a way, he was like that widow placing the gift when everybody was missing and Jesus took note of it. Edward Kimball was a simple Sunday school teacher of young people. And Edward Kimball faithfully each week discharged his duty in teaching children. There was a young man in his class that came from a poor situation. That day, I believe it was before child labor laws, the kid was even working in a shoe factory. Edward Kimball would go and visit young Dwight where he worked, taught him the word on Sunday. Dwight was D.L. Moody. D.L. Moody trusted Christ and became arguably the greatest evangelist of his day. And once when he was preaching before multitudes, a man named John Wilbur Chapman believed. He in turn became an evangelist, a preacher. And once when Chapman was preaching, there was a professional baseball player named Billy Sunday. Billy Sunday was a great baseball player. He heard Chapman preach. He gave up his professional baseball career, became a preacher of the gospel, and began to preach the word. Once Billy Sunday was preaching, a man named Mordecai Ham was in the congregation. Mordecai Ham preached the gospel too after believing in Christ. History tells us that Mordecai Ham once showed up in Charlotte, North Carolina to carry out a tent revival. There were multitudes of people who were coming to hear, but there were a crowd of young boys out of curiosity. They didn't really, really want to come to hear the gospel. They wanted to come to see if they could make trouble or make mockery of it. In that group of boys around Charlotte, North Carolina, was a little boy named Billy who accepted Christ. That Billy grew to be Billy Graham, the greatest evangelist of the 20th century. One Sunday school teacher, faithfully discharging the duty. Oh, how we need Edward Kimball's in the church today. The power of a simple gift. That widow gave, and we don't know what happened, but it made the scripture. And it's being preached today. Her gift is still being preached today. The power of a simple gift. Let's pray. Father, we come to your word today. Father, I know I feel so convicted. Because, Lord, this woman gave all she had.
And Lord, I don't. But Lord, even if we would give a simple gift in faith and and make sacred the time, the talents, the, the finances that we give to you. But if we give in due portion as your spirit leads, you'll take that and multiply that ministry. Father, we thank you for the power of a simple gift, how this woman's testimony lives on today. And Father, I just pray you would stir our hearts as a church that, Father, we would invest ourselves in the kingdom of God for your glory. We pray it in Jesus' name.